BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Black Label presents Heavy Montreal, the heaviest festival in Canada. Back for a 10th edition, two days of rock and metal. July 27th and 28th, outdoors at Parc Jean Drapeau. Witness Slayer perform their last show in Quebec ever. Performances by Ghost, Godsmack, Evanescence, Slash, Anthrax, Steel Panther, Kill Switch Engage, and many more. 40 bands playing four stages on a festival site that you have to see to believe. Festival passes are on sale now. Visit heavymontreal.com. Produced by Avanco. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
that is a classic going back to 1990 when that was released i think written a, a number of years before that but released in 1990 the obsessed the song tombstone highway and what an honor for the first time ever i believe we are talking with wino from the obsessed on talking metal today legendary guy when it comes to doom rock stoner rock sludge rock you know this is one of the this is one of the dudes i mean it goes way back to saint vitus his work with them uh and of course the obsessed yeah wino is legendary and when you think of bands like uh, i don't know like doom metal type stuff like trouble candle mass uh, I guess, you know, even like Paradise Lost, Caius, of course, Cathedral. I, I always point back to this guy, man, because he is he is the man and definitely one of the guys we have to point to as being uh, highly influential to that genre of hard rock and heavy metal. And what a great dude. I really enjoyed speaking with him and hearing some of the stories. Truly respected by, you know, members of Queens of the Stone Age and Dave Grohl and stuff like that. Uh, Wino is uh, is the man, and we are talking with him today, again, on Talking Metal, and we are also talking music festivals, because I'm getting geared up for Heavy Montreal this summer, we just got back from M3, the 80s rock festival, and Wino is playing a set of acoustic stuff and stuff by The Obsessed just this, this coming weekend at a great festival called Monolith on the Mesa, and it is happening in... Taos, Taos, T-A-O-S, New Mexico, and it's going to be great, man. They even have their own beer going for this. Uh, it's it's a, uh, let's see, let's see who the brewing company is. The Taos Mesa Brewing Company has released a limited edition of a, a custom beer to celebrate this festival that is happening again this coming weekend. So definitely get out there to check out the festival. Monolith on the Mesa. And there's a lot of great bands playing besides Wino. It is happening again at uh, 20 ABC Road in El Prado, New Mexico. So definitely, uh, definitely check it out. Stone Deaf, Lord Buffalo, Green Druid, Spirit Mother. Of course, The Obsessed. Wino again doing an acoustic set. Devil's Throne. The bands just go on and on and on. I, Pinkish Black, Weed, Castle, Dead Meadow, a lot of great bands playing at this festival, so be be sure to go check the festival out. And again, it is happening May 17th and 18th in New Mexico. So yeah, great stuff. So without further ado, let's get into some Probot. Probot is Dave Grohl's metal record that he put out a while ago. It was awesome. I loved it. Quite a while ago at this point. I got to check when that came out. Definitely well over a decade ago. And yeah, man, and, and Wino was on this. So let's hear a little Dave Grohl and Wino with the song The Emerald Law by Probot. Pick this up on iTunes or Amazon Music or wherever. And definitely uh, support Wino with everything he's doing with the Obsessed and his acoustic stuff. And so a little Probot here on Talking Metal, followed by my interview with the legendary guitarist Wino. Die, but awaken 
ever we have on the phone wino wino how are you man i'm good what's happening well i'm excited to talk to you and it, it sounds like you got a great festival coming up a great appearance uh that you're doing an acoustic set at and also uh the obsessed is playing a set it's monolith on the mesa and it takes place real soon just next week may 17th and 18th in new mexico it's a great lineup can we talk a little bit about the festival were you involved at all in helping pick the bands or is it just you're performing at the festival uh, i'm just performing but um you know we know the guys that are, are putting it together and i've, I've never i don't know if this, if this is the first year or not but um, i haven't been yet but it sounds like it's going to be just off the charts i mean it kind of seems like it's kind of a uh um you know, a modern setting with the, uh, I guess they call it an earthship yep. structure that's made out like a, an echo structure, an echo structure that has the, uh, you know, the greenhouse built in with the living quarters of a soul. So, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, it should be. The lineup is great. Dead Meadow, Pinkish Black, Eye, Weed. Yeah. And of course, you're doing an acoustic set. Yeah. Uh, but then you're also playing full full on electric, too, right? Right, yeah. Uh, Friday night, I guess it is, we're, uh, the 17th, uh, I'm playing acoustic. And then Saturday night, we're, we're playing electric. So I'm playing acoustic inside, and we're playing electric outside. 
I guess it's like two stages, I guess. And uh, uh, yeah, man, a lot of good bands. Yeah, definitely. Monolith on the Mesa. And then I guess after that, it looks like you guys are doing some pretty extensive touring in Europe for what, like the rest of the year, at least through the fall, right? Yeah, because it's going to go all the way till December, I think now. But uh, we have you know a few small breaks in between. But, you know, now's the time to hit it. Um, we, I have, we haven't been to Europe in a while. And uh, I think now's the time. I think it should be, it should be a lot of fun. Be a lot of work, a lot of fun, you know. Absolutely. We capture like as many people as possible, you know. And uh, yeah. And for so, I think I think the festival was a good little jump. Go and, ahead. And for the fan base for the obsessed over in Europe versus North America, is it the same kind of vibe, or do you get a different type of uh, person? Maybe what what? How do the fans compare between North America and Europe? They actually they actually kind of got it a little bit quicker. Yeah. Like, I remember when St. Vitus was, you know, when I joined St. Vitus, it was, like, I don't know, 85 or something like that. And, um, you know, we were drawing, like, uh, you know, 50, 75 people, you know, these places in L.A., the anti-club or whatever, because, you know, we were pretty underground. At that time, you know, Soundgarden was still on SSC. We played with them. We played with the mentors. You know, we were drawing, like, you know, maybe 100 people. Okay, then we got this offer to go to Europe, and I guess what it was, it was a production company, promotion company, that uh, wanted to bring the band over. And, uh, you know, we... Having releases over there at the time, we were kind of waiting on our SSC release, and we went over there and we were just kind of blown away actually at how a many people showed up to see you, how the scene was a lot bigger, and how actually you treated you know people really you know you know they cared over there. It seemed like and you know they had some pretty pretty elaborate, um, pretty nice you know meals and stuff like that. It's a little bit different than the U.S. We we're kind of used to just kind of clawing it out, you know. Right, it's right. Pretty wild. It's, it's a little bit different over there. I mean, they take the beer seriously. I mean, they take you know, you don't run out of beer. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Cool. And you, the obsessed, released a new album for the first time in in really over twenty years and decades back in two thousand seventeen, and that was sacred. Of course, is there any talk of doing another album at some point, or is it is it way too early for that? Well, we're, we're definitely going to do another record. Uh, we're probably get you know, we'd like to do it on relapse. We'll see what happens. I'm going to do another acoustic record too. Cool. It looks like so we're staying pretty busy. I mean, in the in the time lapse that we had, you know, before we put out the, the last success record, you know, I did a lot of stuff. Right. So I stayed pretty busy, and um, yeah, you know, it's just really cool, man. I've seen the fan, you know, the fan base seems to you know getting a little bit bigger, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see the folks, see some folks, play some music. Yeah, I mean, to me, like. And correct me if I'm wrong, but in certain circles, it seems like the the music of the obsessed, especially you know going back to those first two records, it's almost grown in like cult status through the years. I see the same thing with like Caius too, where where it's it's there's there's so much interest in it now. Is you is it safe to say maybe even more than when you guys were actually out doing it back then, or is that taking it a little too far? Well, I think in the case of Caius and Sleep, it's not taking it too far. I mean, they had a, I mean, they, you know, put out a couple of records that had a major resurgence. Where now, you know, Sleep is, you know, doing really, really well. Um, I think Caius, they attempted, you know, they became huge. You know, Queens of the Senate was a spin, you know, a spin off of that and everything. But, but I think that they became, um, uh, yeah, that, they tried to put the ties together. But I think because of all the legal legal factors, you know, that they couldn't do that. But again, they were huge, like after the fact, you know. So, um, I don't know. You know, I, I like to, I like to let the music talk. You know, right? I think that um, uh, people starting to catch on. I, I really got attributed to the whole kind of kickstart the genre some years ago, though, with uh, um, you know Kazik because his label, uh, 
you know, Cosmic Jump sort of the whole like so-called stoner rock thing kind of brought the emphasis on heavy music back, you know, and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Right, right on. And and next year, believe it or not, will be the 30th anniversary of the uh, the self-titled the, the Purple album, as a lot of us call it. How do you how do you look back on that? A and B, do you go back and listen to that album much? Dude, I do listen to that record. I think that record is uh, probably like number one for me because that, that's at the point when we were like, you know, we were we were super hungry. You know, we hadn't really played that much and uh, we hadn't toured ever. You know, we were super hungry. We got a deal with Metal Blade, and that turned into uh, he sort of uh, he sort of cut our throats because the deal was the time that like, you know, you get um you get a, um, a one song on his compilation record, Metal Massacre, and then you get a full length, right? Right. So we played, paid for the full length on our own dime, and uh, you know, right at the, right at the when the compilation hit, that's when thrash hit. Like all of a sudden, thrash hit. Like on that same compilation, uh, Metal Mask of Six is like the debut of like Nasty Savage, uh, you know, the Possessed, a whole bunch of these thrash bands. And you know, Slayer was had just hit it. So basically, you know, the, the label decided that we were like a little too uh, too dated, so right. they didn't give us the full length. So I carried this face around with me. And eventually, I talked to German Cats, who ran uh, the label that Vitus had jumped to, the, the same production company that Germans brought us over, eventually put out a record for us. And then I got them to put out the purple record. I actually carried the tapes overseas, and, uh, you know, for being x-rayed and stuff, you know. It's pretty crazy, but that's what turned out to be the purple record. And so that record, first, the OG uh, version, and, of course, we last re-released it. But, yeah, man, I think some of my best playing, you know, the band was tight. You know, production was pretty wild. Like, I found this guy that was sort of like my guitar care guy. It turns out that he had some great ears, and we did a lot of records, actually. Right on, right on. And, you you know, you mentioned your legendary that's band. Pretty much, that's pretty much the story. So, why don't you, you mention your your legendary band, St. Vitus, a great, great band that, that really has, uh, again, become a historic part of, of heavy rock and hard rock history question there's this there's this bar out in brooklyn new york not far from where i live that we go to called saint vitus are you aware of the bar and do you do you have any story about the bar taking basically your band's name well yeah we i'm aware of the bar i've actually played there quite a few times i know those cats it's a really great story you know um a couple friends you know kind of realizing their dream you know but putting it together to get that bar um Actually, St. Vitus is really kind of a, uh, it's actually the name of a disease. St. Vitus Dance right. is, uh, I guess, the name for, like, chorea, you know, this kind of muscle involuntary muscle movement type ailment. But, uh, yeah, I played it a bunch of times, and I, I think what it was, I think that they told me they picked the name uh, at random, I think. I mean, I don't think they named after the band. Of course, they knew the band, you know, they liked the band. But, but if I'm not mistaken, it was some kind of, it was kind of a weird stroke of a, uh, randomness i think i'm pretty sure that's what they told me wow okay i mean you know Jay, we, you know we would let them use it anyways and it's not wouldn't be in our place to not let them use it or even have a say in it because you know it's uh it's a community and all that shit and i don't know if just gave you know actually copyrighted the name or not but right, right. whatever it is i'll say something right now that the the same by spirit like did did actually exist actually like uh Used to like kind of inhabit David's house whenever he had problems where serious shit would come up. Uh, he would call on uh, the spirit actually, and uh, you know, I, it's pretty pretty amazing stuff. I witnessed it one time actually. Really? Wow! He so he'd call on 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 the spirit. 
he said he he told me he said uh, a friend of ours was was a friend of ours got kind of sick and was uh, was asked to be taken to the hospital and David just walked him because you're gonna be all right and no one dies in this house the spirit of Saint Vitus is with you and put his hand <laughs> put his hand on the dude I'm not kidding you all and uh, the guy like pulled right out of it and went to sleep and and was basically like I mean he wasn't he wasn't an ailment needed to be cured was, but he was uh, fixed up let's put it that way. Wow. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we were talking about Caius earlier. A number of years ago, you were doing some work with uh, Nick Oliveri in Royal yeah. Royal Demons, right? Have Have you heard from Nick lately? Yeah, that was that was me and him and Jerry Castillo. And, you know, that was uh, that was just like something that we got together, kind of uh, in a burst of, you know, beautiful spontaneity. It was actually really good. But, you know, Jerry at the time was super busy. He was with um, uh, Scott Weiland. And uh, you know the, that band, the Scott one band, all went through some turmoil. I think like two two members died, and um, you know, so it was. It, so Joey was in that time period. Joey was super busy, so we never did really record. We recorded a couple of demos, and uh, you know, we did that article on Vice, and that's about it. But I mean, that's still possibly on the horizon. Me and Nick just got together and jammed a song in Berlin uh, a couple of days ago, actually, about a week ago. Whenever we, you know, we're, cool. we're old friends. We're he's touring to Europe a lot, so whenever we ran into each other, we always like. Usually jam a song like Rock and Roll Outlaw by Rose Tattoo or or uh, uh, Iron Horse or something like that, you know. Right on. But yeah, yeah, I was up, man. He's like my favorite maniac, you know. Like I dug, I dug the uh, the lineup of Kais when you know he was in the band, like the OG lineup, you know. Absolutely, and of course, Scott, who was in the Obsessed, Scott Reeder, he yeah. ended up taking over for Nick and Caius. Uh, and any memories of working with Scott back in 1992 or um, Lunar Womb? Man, I can tell you, the German label called High Roller just did a really nice re-release of Lunar Womb. It's on disc and vinyl. And uh, Greg Rogers, the drummer, managed to, managed to uh, dig up like some brand new pictures or old pictures from, from the actual sessions. So uh, we used some of those pictures on uh, the, the inside sleeve of the original Lunar Womb. It's like a collage bunch of pictures right well we found a whole bunch more new ones from that same same period like even in the studio and uh you know gave us with the german guys and i wrote like a, a really lengthy liner note telling the whole story so that, that's where that's where you want, if you want to read the story that's the story i mean scotty worked his way down in recording because he actually uh, got his first job at a synclavia studio and that's like a kind of like a sort of a mellotron synthesizer trip that kind of has uh sound effects in it so basically you would program out a um you program out your music or a jingle or something like that, and then you, you play it with keys. And that was the Synclavier. They used it a lot in, uh, you know, in the, I guess in the eighties and nineties. Wow. But um, so so he never really mic'd an amp yet, right? Like he started up with the Synclavier and like just worked his way down to like actually, you know, mic and amps and stuff. And one night he snuck us in there, and um, and we had a, I just we just kind of scooped together wherever we could. I think I was playing through an SVT cabinet with guitar, and uh, we had a pretty just pretty long the fly setup, and we recorded. Uh, our first two professional songs that became um, on the Hellhound compilation, um, uh, What the Hell, called What the Hell. And we did a version of Skybone and we did a version of Spirit Carrion. And actually, when I look at that stuff now, it's, it's pretty mind-blowing, actually. It's, I think it's pretty well-produced for what it was, you know? Right, absolutely. So the, so the Lunar Womb, you said it's a reissue, and where, where could people find it? Is it on Amazon, or like what's well, the best? You might be able to find it as an import right now. Okay. Um, it's like uh, they sent me like a, a couple boxes of them, and basically it's in both CDs. The label's called High Roller, 
and it's a CD and uh, on vinyl too. Oh wow, cool! Just play, yeah, play like if, if I'm going to see you, am I going to see you at a uh, uh, monolith? I, I won't be able to make it out. I'm I'm East Coast based, so unfortunately, I'm not going to get out there. But yeah, no. I might be able, I might be able to mail you one. You know, if you give me your address at the end oh, of the interview. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love that. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, man. And just a couple more questions, then I'll let you go. Uh, you know, I, I was a big fan of, of Dave Grohl's uh, ProBot yeah. project yeah, a number man. of years <laughs> back. I guess, well, probably like, what, 10, 15 years ago at this point. That, And you were a big part of that because you played on a song, and then I, I also saw you in the video with Lemmy for Shake Your Blood Any uh, and the Suicide Girls, of course. Any uh, memories of, of working on that music video and also on the uh, on the song Emerald Law for the ProBot project with Dave Oh, Grohl? yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember remember all this stuff. Those, all, those are all, like, pretty wild stories. You know, the ProBot story, the ProBot thing was pretty wild, but it's, um, you know, the, Foo Fighters also recorded... Uh, a version of Iron Stone, which is an obsessed song. And basically they did a cover of uh, Pink Floyd, Have a Cigar, Iron Stone on the B side of the uh, Learn to Fly single in Asia, I think it was. Right. You know, you know, we, we never, uh, we never really got a shit together with our publishing because, you know, there's some dispute with the original bass player who wrote the lyrics and all this and that. But that was like the first thing we did. And then, um, uh, you know, when he did it, he did Probot. And for Probot, man, he already had that song Basically, he had written these little music for most of those songs with the singer that he was going to ask to sing and write words in mind. And so basically, he wrote the music out and then sent it to everybody, myself included, and um, right at my alley. Man, the music is fantastic. It's like, I just happened to be reading this, uh, um, some Babylonian, I was reading some Zechariah Sitkin, actually. He was talking about some, you know, ancient Babylonian stuff, because he's an actual biblical scholar, right? So he's one of the only wow. people that can trans- translate cuneiform. So I was reading this Babylonian uh, uh, book, and there's a beautiful poem in there. I mean, this is real, real period uh, shit that's been translated, you know, off of off a fucking stone Stella, you know. And uh, basically, that's what I put at the very beginning because it's just I needed something that's very head, you know. It was just so perfect. And I just remember like, well, I fucking opened that book, and I was like, oh man, I'm gonna put this use this poem at the beginning, you know. It's, it's, I'm getting chills when I think about it. But yeah, that was a lot of fun, man. That was a lot of fun. And then we actually did one more video too. Like we did the. Uh, we did a version with Eric Wagner of uh, his song on that record, where I played guitar, Greg Anderson played guitar from Sono, uh, the engineer uh, played bass, throw on drums, obviously, and, uh, and Wagner singing. And we did a version of My Church for Soul. Actually, it was on, it was on MTV2 or something, and we were interviewed by Jamie Joshua. That was really oh, fun. Okay. Because, right. Because a lot, what had happened, like a lot of people came down from the ProBot thing, you know, David flew, um, he flew Snake from Boybot in, and he flew Wagner in, and then, uh, you know, I came in, and uh, basically we went around the next day and did a whole bunch of press, like this whole gang of people, which is like a whole other story. I mean, it's like story after story after story, but yeah, but that's how it went down. And then, um, then after that, we did the, uh, the uh, Shake Your Blood, which was just fully, fully crazy, man. You know, <laughs> it's, it was really cool getting to get a little interaction with Lemmy and stuff, you know. In fact, you know, he was just a pretty long time ago, and he was, like, pretty chipper and fucking, you know, normal Lemmy. It's awesome. A lot of fun, man. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, the video, the music video just it reeks of fun. You know, it's just you guys rocking out and the girls and stuff. It's great stuff. It was pretty trippy, man. I will say that. It was pretty trippy being you know, surrounded by all those girls, you know. Uh, uh, yeah. Pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Cool. Well, again, we really thank you for your time today, and we want to remind people about the, the monolith on the Mesa Festival, which is taking place again May 17th 
and 18th, and we'll have the all the info up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com and TalkingRock.net. And Wino, what, what a history you've had, man, and thank you for all the great music throughout the years. Man, thank you very much. It's what I do. I just want to play, and uh, uh, hopefully I'll see everybody soon. Thanks again, man. Thanks to Wino for joining us here on Talking Metal. That, of course, is the song Adrift from 2011. Some acoustic stuff, great stuff. Wino, a legendary guitarist and vocalist. What an honor to have him here on the podcast with me today. So let's uh, let's jam some other stuff, man. We're all over the musical map. We uh, Let's check this one out. This is A New Revenge featuring my friend James Kotek on drums. This is called The Distance Between.
little new revenge here on Talking Metal. And as I mentioned, we just got back from M3. I'm posting a lot of our interviews on the YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Talking Metal with all our favorite 80s bands like Kingdom Come, which I just posted yesterday. So go visit that to check out the uh, the videos or simply go to TalkingRock.net or TalkingMetal.com also will get you there. And yeah, man, so you got, you got the festival that Wino's doing, Monolith on the Mesa, this weekend. We had M3 two, week, two weekends ago, right? Or eh, about a week and a half ago. M3 was great. Two, two great festivals. And a third festival that I am so psyched for this summer is Heavy Montreal, Ghost, Slash, and dozens and dozens of others. It's going to be absolutely incredible. I cannot wait. Emily and I are tentatively planning to head up there. And I wanted to let you know that we are going to give some tickets away. Let's uh, have you guys go to heavymontreal.com slash talking metal and get tickets. Free, free tickets for Heavy Montreal. Do it. Do it right now. We're giving away uh, a lot of a lot of tickets. And don't be afraid. When you click on the link, it's like in French, but if you scroll down, then it's in English. And uh, yeah, we're giving passes to the whole freaking weekend. It's uh, absolutely amazing. You... Uh, all you got to do. I mean, it's crazy. This is free. This is like hundreds, worth hundreds of dollars. Of course, you got to get to Montreal. But yeah, two general admission festival passes. Just go to that address that I just said, uh, which again is heavymontreal.com slash talking metal. I'll have it linked through today's show notes on, uh, on the website. And uh, that's going to, I think, do it for today. Maybe I'll squeeze in one more. One more. Uh, what do we got here? Everyone, everyone's like telling me to play stuff. Uh, okay, let's. This is Emily's friends band. It's uh, called the Infection, and this song to take us out is called "Here We Go." Again, the Infection. Here we go on Talking Metal, and we'll talk to you next time. Go get those heavy Montreal tickets. They're free. Yes, the sea, it's finally.